Good morning. Welcome to the Explicit Podcast Measures. Dang it. Explicit Measures Podcast. Why am I keep doing this all of a sudden? Again? I should just read the screen a little bit more. Welcome to the Explicit Measures Podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. I think I need a little bit more sleep today. It's been a long week <laughs> already. The, the levels of tiredness drive the levels of mixing up words and numbers and all the yeah. things. <laughs> exactly right. A hundred percent. Good thing I hello, got my Bowers coffee going. Hello. Hello, Puglia Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Bard. Oh, Car- Carlo Mike. Carlo Mike. Nice to, nice to speak with you on this. Okay. Happy Tuesday. Tuesday happy. Yeah. We're we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Say everything backwards today. Well, anything, oh, any kind of uh, recent news or things that are coming up? Well, I think we're all going on vacation. I think we, this is going to be our last live one for like uh, three episodes. Correct. So everything's going to be on schedule. We'll still kind of be on, but we are going to enjoy our summers for a little. We right? will take a little break. Sleep in for just a bit here. Sleep in. We have uh, we've been announcing this pretty much every week uh, or every um, every episode recently. Is there's a couple uh, events coming up? One of them, uh, which we will be speaking at. One that's another good event. If you want to go to hear things about Power BI, Excel, you know, data things, uh, you can go to the Data Insight Summit, which can be found at datainsightsummit.us uh, during September twelfth through the fourteenth. Uh, and you can use promo code 22 at checkout, checkout for $100 off. And then if you want to go to um, the Full Power Platform Conference, they're having that down in Orlando, Florida. And that is on September 20th and 22nd. And the promotion code will be in the comments as well. So I'll throw those in the chat window just in case. A couple events coming up that you can get some uh, free money off of just by listening to the podcast. Just by listening. Excellent. Uh, any other kind of uh, announcements or things we wanted to kind of open up with here? So I noticed something in the Power BI, like if you connect a sample data set in the new Power BI file, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this, was this intentional by the Microsoft team? The load sample data set is a, it's a financials table, has some, you know, obviously aggregated columns like sales, product date that being said the sales column for like you know uh total sales has a space preceding it so it has a white space before it actually says sales yes is that intentional and they trying to tell us something i i think i've asked for that mistake to be removed i think it's just a someone put a space in front of that thing or maybe there's a reason. Maybe they're trying to say when you're creating your own measures on your base columns, it's easier to reference. I don't know. Why Why would that be an error that they wouldn't be able to fix? Maybe that's a good practice. I don't know. Question. Welcome to conspiracy theories. On I don't think, I think it's a, I think it's a mistake. You just think it's a mistake. How long has you, have you seen it? I think I mean, it's been around for a while. It's since the report's been out, right? Hasn't it been there forever? If it's been there forever, so it's either an Easter egg, they're too lazy. Or your powers of perception are not as strong as you think they are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'm just saying it's the main column for that you're probably going to create a measure for. Totally agree. <clears throat> not Maybe disagreeing. 
There's also if you do the uh, the get data experience, if you go to get data experience and, and grab a sample data set, each each Power BI desktop installs with a example Excel file of information you can use. There's also a column naming issue in there as well. Same thing. So it's like a space in front of a name. I think it just happens. Interesting. Okay. You, so you think it's just a bug? I'm not reading into it at this point. All right. All right. See, I went I went down a rabbit hole. Like maybe that's how you're supposed to uh, use your display column names because they're easier to reference. I mean, when I, you wouldn't know. When I was creating measures a while ago, I, I would, if I wanted the measures to go to the top of the list, which I do feel like if I'm writing measures in a table, I feel like I should have the option to be able to sort all measures together and all columns together instead of what happens right now where it kind of, folders, but right? everything is in, I use folders not for that, but before we had folders, there was like no way to like kind of group the measures yeah. together. And it's like, that makes, I do find I, I name my measures a little bit weird now. So um, instead of doing like sales this year or year to date sales, you know, last year, prior year sales, Right, those would then alphabetically sort them in a weird way. So I would do sales and kind of like the context of what the measure is doing, and then add, you know, whatever the calculation I'm doing is to the end of it. Yeah. So I feel like that way at least the measures are grouped together. And I made a script in Tabular Editor recently that does sum of. So if you're doing like a lot of summing of columns, it does sum of the column name, which is descriptive of what the what the measure is doing. So kind of calling out the measure, but then all of those are grouped together because they're all sum of something. But then it falls apart when you have like average of unless you have so are you sure it's are you sure it's a blank space or is it a special character it could be a special character i just when i was in tabular editor that's when i noticed it because i'm like i was typing and it said it was wrong but it looked like just a simple white space leading white space maybe that's how you sort your measures that's how they got away with it that know. would that would work though if you put a space in front of everything then it would make them all grouped together Mm -hmm. you're not changing the name at all well and visually you're not changing the name. use people using tabular or trying to reference the measure name yes exactly <laughs> right uh joe says he uses everything with an underscore underscore is another one i've That's seen a, a lot yeah i've seen that a lot too another good pattern kind of groups I do that with the display folders like with yes. the same thing with the tablet editor scripts everything both columns and kpis they always have like two underscores just to make sure that they always go to the top. I, when I when I write variables in DAX, I will use the underscore. Mm -hmm. So I will do, you know, if you're oh, writing a DAX statement, yeah. and then I, I like using the underscore because when you use the autocorrect or the auto... IntelliSense. In IntelliSense, IntelliSense on the measures, if you use the underscore, as soon as you hit the underscore, all of the variables that you made inside the DAX statement would automatically appear. So I kind of like that pattern. I think that I think that works well for me. Sounds like a good one. Yeah, it's a good tangent on that one. I'm more interested about this this article, Tommy, that you found uh, that was around the custom visuals update. Mm. Did you guys see that one? Or have I chance to yeah. look at that one? That is interesting to me. So July 24th, uh, Microsoft team on the blog pushed out a an announcement. You can now manage your licenses and licenses of visuals through the Microsoft App Source. I don't know if you guys remember, but Marco Russo has OKViz, OK or the SQL BI yeah. team makes OKViz, OK which is a, uh, I guess it's an arm of SQL BI that makes custom visuals. And he, he was very vocal about the buying experience for custom visuals inside 
Power BI is not a very well thought out pattern. You had to you had to like buy the buy the the custom visual and you had to enter in a license key. On an individual person level, this worked fairly well because you'd go out and you buy the key and you'd have it and you'd enter the key into the visual and it would work great. Happy, everyone's happy. But when you have organizational level visuals that you want to go buy, if you want to buy the visuals for the entire organization, you have to share the key with every single report builder. Not nearly as ideal of an experience. I think yeah. this is trying to address that. Can assign uh, a license to it for all Office 365 users. Well, they've done a lot too with uh, being able to access uh, custom visuals. I mean, we we had one of our earlier episodes was on do we use custom visuals, and we're like, oh, the ability to browse custom visuals is terrible. Then they immediately updated that you can sort, search. So, and I think they're seeing more custom visuals. There's a lot of new ones that I, I haven't been able to discover. So. And I think people are really making um, they're really making a business out of it, where they're also getting a lot of success from it too. So, to me, it makes yeah. Sense. But part of the challenge, man, this is exciting actually, because part of the challenges that Marco brought up way early on, right, was the the onus to not only create a visualization, but do all of this management of like all the back end stuff with Microsoft. Then yeah. you have to like. Like people are licensing it and then to Mike's point, passing around a key and now you yes. have multiple different users yeah. and they're extending past the user, but they don't know because it's just being passed around. And like, this is really streamlined, right? Yeah. Like if, if I'm a, if I'm interested in building a custom visual, you know, it certainly looks like if I go through this process and I want to charge for my custom visual, I have a framework and a platform to do that now. Right. Like mm -hmm. I, I would basically do probably some of the same things as far as creating the visual code, it getting, you know, verified and recognized, but then it almost seems like this would be a Microsoft saying, all right, we'll take it from here. Right. Like you will, we'll manage whatever the licensing fees and stuff like you, you are, we'll take a cut and here's the rest of it. Right. And I think it's, no. to me, it's like Microsoft already has the distribution network built in. Yeah. It's already easy for you to get and find and discover visuals. Just make it easier for me to purchase them and manage it. Because, I mean, to your point, I've made yeah. a couple custom visuals that have not been on the App Store. But to get through the App Store submissions, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of extra work to get your visuals certified and in there. And, you know... For what benefit, right? Because exactly. Because te technically, and I think that's where, where we land a lot of time in some of our conversations, is you have... Um, all these third-party plug-in, right? Third-party tools and, and whatnot. And yes. this, this really brings those custom visuals to the forefront it, into the platform. You can manage the licensing. It probably makes that conversation a lot easier with IT or security or what are you bringing into our environment? You know, no, I don't want you to use that custom visual. Oh, yes. okay. Now it's in Office 365. I can manage it. We can do these things. Like it brings a lot more legitimacy to it. Because it's part of the Microsoft, you know, ecosystem del delivery and and ecosystem. Yeah, ecosystem. I like it. Yeah. I think I'm, 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 I I wonder I wonder if this will actually launch, or or put put more out there now for people to spend more time developing custom visuals to put into here. There's a couple of companies who have already jumped on board with this. Um, okay, Viz, the one I talked about earlier, yeah. they already have their bullet chart and Calendar Pro already working through this licensing model. Um, another one, another couple of ones that that uh, 
Zoom Charts is another one that I've seen that is also join, joining in. And then Info River looks like they've got a couple as well. Those are the ones that I've kind of played with before previously. Yeah, um, Lumel, like CloudScope. Yeah. CloudScope's got a couple. Okay, Viz too, right? Like hmm? you mentioned that yeah. earlier, but both, yeah. of the, both the Marcos are in there, the Bullet Chart and Calendar Pro. Yeah. So I think that's a. It, I'll be interested to see where this goes. I it. I, one thing that just kind of rubs me the wrong way, and, I, and I, again, I don't want to give the developers any less credit here. It's a lot of work. I definitely want to give them 100% credit. It's a lot of work to maintain it. It's a lot of work to get these things in the store. Totally think it's a, it's a good thing. However, what I would say is I don't like the fact that I have to pay for visuals on top of paying for a program that already provides me visuals. Just kind of irks me to some degree. So I'm like, I get it. It's open source. You can let people build all these other custom things and your quality, I think goes up with the visuals that are paid for. I do think the quality level is higher than ones that are not, but on the other hand, I'm like, I don't want to have to pay for it. I'd rather just work on Deneb or Triticulator to own it outright and build what I need to build. Well, at some point in time though, that's a rate that's a diminishing rate of returns, right? It's like true. You, you, you talk about, right. um, your the value of your time outside your job and your in your other in your other life. <laughs> totally, <laughs> right? totally agree. The court, you know, I mean, the ten percent mm -hmm. of of it not being this one. Yes. Um, and how how valuable that is. Totally. But in, in this case, like we can't. Yes, we have the tools to go build all the stuff ourselves. But can we? No. Right. True. I think we didn't. I think we had a custom visuals episode. Like, what I would like to see though is if if these are getting um full treatment of being part of the platform and licensed that they work a little bit better in terms of properties and um more consistency fit and fit and function across with other visuals in power bi yes. because some of these are super custom right yes. like they don't no matter what they're not going to fit in with any yep. of the other visuals unless you do some Tom Foolery, my my latest. Yes, and I don't even know where that comes from. I should probably look that up. <laughs> like saying something that like, like and honestly, to some of the yeah. custom solutions, especially the map ones, I, I'm fine with there being a price on it, especially when they have. I think when it's not just the visual itself, right? I think like ArcGIS, I think um, uh, Open Map. Like you have to have the license key, but they have a whole portal where you can log in and really configure it at like, you know, add the reference mm -hmm. later to their own portal yep. and add something that you wouldn't be able to do in really any other feature. I I do see where you're coming from with some of the, uh, the custom visuals where it is a, just an enhanced standard visual. Um, but I think with, with a lot of them, they're, they're providing something that is really just like an add on with some of your other data too, which makes it that much, I think, uh, we'll say valid in terms of having a cost structure to it. Hey, and again, I, I'm not trying to say no, don't ever use this, but I mean, some some of the, I think the price for the custom visuals of how I see them being priced today currently, it just seems too expensive compared to what I'm already paying for Power BI Pro. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, let's let's have this in comparison. I don't know. That's that's just my thought, my line of thinking for that one. And maybe the value, maybe the the visual value that it brings is so is so great that yeah, paying as much for Power BI Pro as for these other visuals that might make sense for what you're doing. Um, my my opinion here is I just would rather use open frameworks as much <laughs> as I could to build what I need. So, some some people just want to have a visual that expresses exactly the way they want to see it. 
It's maybe the camp that I sit in. Anyways. My goodness. No clue. All right, move. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Let's uh let's jump into our article for today. So um actually that that uh topic of custom visuals and custom visual updates is actually a really good option here. Um because the article for today, and I'll put the article actually in the link here in the chat window. This is what we're gonna be discussing today. Link to article. It's all around visuals and looking at the expressiveness of your visualization. Um Kind of a really neat article. Good read. Tommy found this one. He said, hey, check out this article. This is a really neat... Um, looks good a perspective. Kind of giving you certain balancing things. Um, really going into... And this is, this is an area of study that I think is actually fairly well known with people studying what visuals make the most sense. Uh, some of the gestalt principles that we like to use when we build visuals or work on reports. You know, removing clutter, th putting things together, aligning things. Um, some of the visual guidance that we work on because I think it makes it for a better reporting experience. But in this article, he goes through and, and basically really kind of tears apart and, and, diagno and diagnoses. Um, there are different ways you can visualize the same information. What is the best way to start sharing some of that information and conveying um, those insights in on top of the visual? All right, so I'll pause there. Comments, thoughts, things you guys want to start, anything that stuck out to you guys in the article? I mean, yeah, this is this is a deep one. It, it it's definitely you know it's uh we didn't we didn't say who Enrico Bertini right? Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Enrico Bertini who mm -hmm. who's a, a collegiate academic professor. So I love these these articles because they go deep. Mm -hmm. This guy's got time to think, man. Yes, right. And and the whole I, I think the context setting for this article for me is specific around like um there there seems to be a a theme when talking about visualization in the academic settings around um, precision being like the thing that always leads the conversation going into visualization. And throughout the article, it's, it's great because he brings in um, why we can't, I think, rely on just one or two factors independently, but mm -hmm. we have to th think about what we're trying to express in a visualization and he, he dives into all of these nuances and differences and makes an argument for um, not relying on just the, this, you know, pick, pick precision and then the visual tool that you're going to go with. And then it'll, whatever you choose will land the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually, I literally just had a conversation uh, actually with a client yesterday and they were talking about standards and guidelines in terms of like, well, how much standards, you know, like guidelines should we do? And, I knew this episode was coming up. So it was like, obviously he's doing the reading and with that, I was like, well, without getting too philosophical here, I'm like, there's obviously some universal guidelines, but in terms of what do you actually want to give the author, like uh, someone developing the report, how ri rigid should their, um, the layout be the canvas be mm -hmm. compared to honestly, like uh, allowing them to express it. I, and I think for us with power BI, this the article and you know the the argument about being able to show the expressiveness i think really is unique for us as power bi professionals because a lot of times we're not just dealing with one particular report we always i think we always have to think about the context of well yes we are developing a report it needs insights it needs the data storytelling etc but 
in the context of an organization or, you know, in an environment with a hundred reports that are out there where you can be expressive, but at the same time, is it, does it remove the experience for a consumer where they feel like they're in a new system, so to speak? One of the things that I find very interesting, how this word is, is, um, or how he's, he's articulating a couple words here in this article. He talks a lot about the visual channel. What is the channel of the visual doing? And so I'm going to unpack that a little bit because I think that the, the visual channels linking to something inside the visualization makes a lot of sense. And so this is a concept that I use a lot when I work with Deneb and particularly Charticulator because you have, and I do a, I do a talk and actually I'll be doing this talk at the uh, Data Insight Summit. I'll be doing a full day session on you know working with Charticulator and working with Deneb, which are two custom visuals that are free that you can use and go build your own kind of, you know, whatever you want, custom visuals. But there is a, there is a more of a learning curve that goes with them. So I've taken the time to kind of learn them, spent a lot of time building things in them. But this concept of a visual channel, what, what visual channel makes the most sense for your visual? And I really liked in the first part of the article, uh, he goes through and articulates a couple examples. Hey, I was anticipating people, like they had one for um, some uh, crash incidents information. So people that were injured in crashes, in a certain borough, I think in like New York City, there was an open data source set and basically said, here is some data. I'm looking at you to just stack rank things in kind of this area. And so some people came up with some interesting visuals, some bar charts, uh, a scatter plot showing correlation between two data points. And so I'll go back to this channels terminology that, that they're using in this article. A visual channel is some kind of property about a visual. And it could be a visual channel could be the height of the bar in a bar chart. The visual channel could be um, the color of the data points on the visual itself. What is the what is the color palette or what is the color spectrum that you're going to use on the visual itself? So it's this concept of like there's a variation in a channel of data, a column essentially. You, could, you basically could probably put it that way. There's a column of data that is linking itself to some kind of property inside the visual chart um oh gosh the other chart that i'm thinking of here that escapes me that i've been playing around with a little bit was it's a bar chart that not only graphs the bars by height but it graphs them by width so um i forget what that is do you do you guys know off the top of your head what is the name of that chart with bar heart that adjusts the both the height and the width i'm gonna have to google this it's, one it's a violin Violin's another good one. I was actually thinking like it's, it's uh, I think it was like a specific chart type. Someone may be in the chat. Ah, there it is. Marketo? Marketo? I don't know how you say it, but that's another chart that I've been experimenting. Um, but again, this is another, um, it's in the chat window. Um, yeah, a Miko chart. That's what I'm thinking of. It's like a bar Miko chart. So the, the idea is the bar, not only does the height adjust, but the width of the bar can adjust also for an additional property. So you, you get this another like visual layer of information that, you know, the depth of the bar also makes sense as well as everything else. So I found, I found that's kind of interesting. Um, there's some interesting visuals out there that are also showing, uh, let's say you have, um, you know, sales dollars on the Y axis, and then you have some sort of percentage of sales or percentage of margin on the X axis, right? So now you can see, okay, how, where did most of my sales come from? And how much margin did I 
apply to those sales sales ratios. So I, the idea is you can you can get some more insights out of what that's doing. Anyways, another kind of interesting type chart out there. So for you guys, because I think when I was reading this and it was one of those either oh no kind of uh, uh, reactions for myself in terms of thinking all the the reports that I build because. I've generally stayed with, you know, if you're going to do a grouping, it's going to like, just like uh, Marco Russo's or the other, like the visual cheat sheets, right? Yes. So it's like, you know, anything that's grouped by with the bar chart, if it's date, you know, use a line chart, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and that's that precision, right? Where, you know, that's the best practice that we always keep in mind. Um, But the precision side of this is interesting in terms of, what are we really trying to convey? Because I struggle with this all the time. And I think, Mike, this is probably why you really dived into Deneb and Charticulator is mm-hmm. there's only so many times you can use a bar chart, right? True. Um, and there's in then with the custom visuals, it's not doing exactly what you want it to do, you know, because you don't want to, you're trying to convey a certain message. And once you get trying to get that message, you know, you generally, we're, we're obviously a lot of us, we know how we feel about pie charts, even though I think you, he, Enrico even makes the argument there is a place for it, which I do agree with. Correct. But, you know, generally you're not seeing the whole spectrum of visuals used in a, in a normal report, right? I, I would love, I would love to see the, the market share of standard visuals in, used in reports to see like table matrix bar chart line chart but just to see like what are what are what is everyone using and is that really conveying what the report's purpose is but the idea of to be a little more expressive but like highlighting something in a bar chart like with different colors even though that's not necessarily best practice but in the context of is trying to convey that message i really like this idea of trying you know rather than think oh okay group bar chart of a different way to put this, but again, I'll, I'll reserve my, where I have my concern with this, but to me is a little, it was a bit of an eye-opening article. I liked his, his analogy, like, and there's a, there's a couple uh, moments in here in the article that there were some additional thought points that I thought were very relevant for me and things that really stuck out to me. One was his, cho- his choice of color. There was one chart that he has. It's, it looks like a, a mapping type thing by zones or regions. <clears throat> and then he does, uh, halfway down the page, it's 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 a visual where he uses on the left hand side he's using a diverging color scale, so starting from a lighter color going all the way through to a darker color. That can take conveys different information than a diverging color scale where he started red and went to like dark blue. And so there's this concept of what are you trying to convey? And this is I think where he started talking about the expressiveness, right? What some of these visuals are going to invoke some sort of emotion. The color palette that you pick is going to inherently draw your eye to something and so in this example he started talking about well i wanted to just wanted you to understand that there is a point of data that is like neutral right this is this is kind of maybe this could be something around like sentiment scores or sentiment about something right you have uh those questionnaires you get all the time i strongly disagree with this one or i really agree with this one and then there's kind of like that neutral zone in the middle there that really is you know what kind of action you're going to take on like yeah it's just okay it's just it's just middle of the road right and so with that kind of information, you're trying to convey an emotional pool or convey some emotion that the users are giving to you based on their feedback. I want you to think this is really red. Like, 
you know, I really disagree with this view or opinion or whatever the survey thing is. I would, would I, would I ever recommend this tool to somebody else? No, I most certainly would not. And then you would understand why. So that is a color you'd want to invoke. That is a bold color comparatively to the middle of that range, which would be kind of in the, you know, eh, okay, I'm okay with it. So that's, in his example, he went from that red to the dark blue, but the middle of the chart was all white, had no color. So it was kind of drawing your eye to the ends of either the data points, which was kind of interesting. So I, I liked, I liked this thoughtfulness of how he's, he's conveying these things. Like it really does matter. Just a diverging color doesn't make sense. There's other thoughts to put in place here that would help you digest or, or even again, push the user towards making a decision one way or the other. It's important. That's the, that's the, uh, what he's calling the expressiveness of the different visuals. And I, I'm not sure if it's in this article, but I know it's been in, he's referenced this book in another one. I think Chris Wagner, he did his book study on this uh, book by Brent Dyke's Effective Data Storytelling. And it's something I, I was trying to follow along with Chris, but it's very much, again, in that context of, we we obviously have our standards from a visual point of view, but we need to do a better job of that really true narrative of, you know, I think the effect of storytelling didn't really seems more geared to like infographics, not necessarily, I wasn't really made in Power BI in mind, but thinking about this in a different way where we just have a summary page and then the drill through page, hmm. you know, is that always the best use case? And I'm finding situations where it's like, it's hindering the the purpose of the report rather than helping. I, I do like the fact that you brought that up, right? Because I think a lot of these articles are specific around how do you how do you pick and choose a static visualization, right? Like, right. Um, and, and there is a significant difference between something that we would present that would always show these, you know, very limited changing if we did allow it to change, you know, or if it's a static, you know, image. I do think though that the conversation is still relevant because I don't think we've spent enough time discussing the best way to visualize data, mm -hmm. right? And the, the, the article alone, even in the comparison that Mike was pointing out, he does this in multiple points where he's talking mm -hmm. about his different channels, like the magnitude channel getting too much um, uh, emphasis and not enough on the identity channel or a way to express yes. what, what the magnitude means. And just in doing the two comparisons between, oh, what, what if I choose magnitude alone? What if I, you know, use expressiveness in that? What if I do too much expressiveness, right? The comparison and kind of playing around with visuals is something that like I, I typically try to do every time, right? Rather than get stuck in the rut that you kind of talked about, Tommy, of like, I always do this. Right. I always just use the bar chart, right? Maybe yes. I need to broaden my scope and say, hey, if I have two or three elements, like, and I don't want to use a pie chart. Correct. Should I use a stacked column to represent that there's an entity around these data points that should be grouped together, hmm. right? Um, and, and this is where these this thought theory around visualization specifically is always worthwhile to dive deeper into, even though we may not have an application for it all the time because we create reports that could instantly blow up the perfectly <laughs> aligned, you know, bar chart or representation of, you know, 
a specific data set, but it doesn't work when we introduce a different variable through a slicer. Um, it forces us to, to think about the, the best way to, to shape um, what we're trying to convey. And I don't want to jump to the, to, to, to the end, but I'm going to, right? A, a phrase of his at the, the end I'm going to totally steal is um, he says, we do not visualize data. We visualize ideas based on data. And that mm. struck me yeah. because yeah. it's That's a very profound true. Yes. Right. Like, because yep. I'm, you, you, you don't get the meaning behind data just by looking at Excel, right? Or yep. Hundreds of rows of columns or tables of information. You get meaning behind what we're able to represent with the data and the data points, right? And then it becomes a conversation. And that yes. nuance, that nuance is so powerful because that's what we discuss on a daily basis is like finding meaning. And we always say, like I've always said, finding meaning in data. Well, you don't. You find the meaning in the idea based on Behind all the of data. this work that we do, yeah. right? And this is, it's the shaping of the data in a way that is presented to end users that allows us to make informed decisions, especially with the volumes, right? And this is why Power BI gets me excited all the time, right? I get my goosebumps going yeah. because every conversation is, to me, extremely exciting to have when I, I foresee how like going through the, the, this deep struggle of cleaning data and transforming it and shaping it and modeling it and creating all these measures. Like I can see mentally kind of what the impact to the business could be based on presenting those ideas in the best way. And this is, you know, that conversation around like you do all this work, but we don't spend enough time in that final layer of how do we best communicate that idea through these visualizations? And this is where Enrico spends his life, right? And why a lot of this thought theory around visualization is an important topic to have or conversation to have because it's the final handoff, right? We've talked about like data accuracy and timeliness being um, something extremely important for end users. Visualization is one of those things that they don't even recognize you're you're doing, but you can strengthen or harm what you're the ideas you're trying to communicate when you yes. have that type of report where you're you're you know shaping, being very focused and and trying to convey a message. Another interesting idea, or not necessarily idea, but think component with us with Power BI, and to be honest, I've always personally struggled with is I felt I was much more analytical before Power BI came out. And let me explain. So in the days of Excel and I was dabbling in R to do the exploratory and descriptive analysis, it was something that, you know, for any new data set, it was always easy to do to kind of say, like, okay, what are the outliers? And it's something I did with every data set that we kind of touched. And most of our requests weren't just creating reports again before the Power BI days. It was, you know, dive in, tell us what's going on. Um, and, you know, really providing sometimes it was a PowerPoint at the end of the week or or a few slides on this given project. And that allowed 
in a sense dictated a lot what they're what we're talking about here you can't really be expressive if you don't know you know if you can't really pin down the whys right because usually we're like self-service you can click on a bar chart and it will filter for you you can do you know the drill through and it will bring you to a page but you know we sometimes don't even know where the outliers are or if they asked us for our recommendation like what should we do about sales like what products are performing well or not we're like well it's in the report you could just filter this and then you can find out mm -hmm. and i find that getting in that in that rut more than again before power bi because it's easier to build it's you know we're doing the modeling but for everyone else who's not dealing with a tabular model who like the data scientists so to speak or i think also too uh bernito and a lot of the visual books out there they start with r or python to do that descriptive analysis to you know kind of understand and filter out and you know it's more project-based or ad hoc based than it is in a sense a standard report which i think does change the how or how much we're going to be expressive i mean i think i think those are all really good points there i also um, while you were talking about that tommy i was thinking to myself like this also speaks a lot to the visual uh space or the visual level of your team how much can your team handle or or mm. people that are consuming the reports handle right i keep thinking i keep going back to the, the concept of okay in, in this article i'm looking through and reading through what he's, he's got going on here some really good visuals i almost feel like this is like an exercise i would take if i was going to build visuals for like the new york times or our magazine or something that's like i can really spend some time honing in like what is the story you know, we're using data to tell a tell an informational idea, like to your point earlier, Seth, the very conclusion of the article, right? But I'm also looking at this going, I can't expect everyone at my organization to be in the same level of thought of thinking around these things that I am. And so I have to, I, at, some, at some level, I'm not going to be able to throw it. I'm not saying to not do this. But I'm also thinking there's definitely other use cases that, that when we talk about Power BI reporting or things that we're producing for the organization, there are some places where you want these reports to look, the, the message, the story there is very designed. On the other hand, sometimes there's just a lot of people who just want access to data. And even if you gave them a really high quality, very well thought out visual, would they just skim over it? And even though you spend hours and hours of time on this, would they just skim over it and get over to the, all right, let's right click, drill through, okay, export my data kind of thing. So again, it's one of these, I feel like it's one of these balanced things, right? Am I trying to tell a story? Am I trying to uh, articulate that, that data story through my information? Or is it just, we need access to data. I need to be able to filter some things down and get a data out of it, out of the system. Yeah, I don't, I don't by any stretch of the imagination think that one would spend uh, an inordinate amount of time comparing visualizations, you know, like for every single report. Agreed. I'm, yes. Trying, right. Yes. Like this is most definitely um, relegated at the very high level. Yes. At least to those reports that we have a story around, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we, um, we need to analyze this segment of business uh, to understand or track or keep, keep track of, right. This, these metrics right you're 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 much more in the refined space of um quick analysis quick understanding 
right? Understand what is going on with yes. the, the business, the area. How do I, how do I get my green, yellow, red, right? Yeah. Is there a better way to convey, you know, some of the nuance within there, like really thinking about something that like a dashboard, right. That could be used a lot by many, many people on mm -hmm. a daily basis. Like this, the impact, um, equals the amount of time it, it, it would take to properly choose the right visual or get it to lay out, you know, the, the way I think that's the use case for spending a lot of time in here yeah. versus, you know, saying, let's change the industry. And every time we build a report, we need to spend four hours on every visualization to make sure right. we get the right thing, right? Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that we're doing that. I'm, I guess I'm, I guess what I'm pointing at here to some degree is this is an interesting article to just really kind of tickle your mind around, okay, what is the choices? Like there's, I think it's the nuanced choices, right? Am I making a bar chart and making it a rainbow chart because they have a whole bunch of colors on it. Does that make sense? Right. And I think there's maybe this other kind of step where you're in your normal visualization realm or process. Maybe you're taking one or two moments to, to sit and pause and say, what am I really trying to convey with this information? What, what does that look like? And then just taking a step back and saying, should I add a colored bar or should I just keep all the data bars the same color and shade them or put a, a gradient on them? I think that's, I think it's, this is where I, you know, how to, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to extrapolate this article into like, what does my, what does this do to change my daily workflow? What, yeah. what does this do on the day, on the day-to-day -day thing? And I think well, in the section here, he says, he starts <laughs> talking about a whole section around what can we do? Like, what are things that we can do today that help, like will help you leverage some of these principles? And I thought it was really interesting was around uh, an issue that he brings up here is how do you find good design recommendations? Right? How do you expose yourself to something that is outside of like just drawing bar charts all the time? And he kind of points to or alludes to here, you go read books of people who've already done this stuff. Like I thought, I thought it was very, you know, good. Yeah. And he gives a couple of recommendations. Alberto um, Cairo, I think is how you say his name. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. a he's a Tableau guy. But he does a lot of really good books on visual. It doesn't really matter. I mean, visualizations, visualizations at the end of the day. So I really liked like. The fact that he's pointing out, here's a couple of real books that you can go look at that have a lot of good examples of like, hey, here's the problem. Here's how the visual put, uh, displayed itself. And so I liked, I really liked his idea of being able to like, hey, you don't know what you don't know. You've got to go research this to some degree. This is part of our homework for us as we go down this visual route. We need to spend time. He, he refers to uh, Tamara's Munzner's book a lot. I don't know what that book is. I'll have to go look it up. But there's a lot of references to that book as well. Um, this I need to I need to do more homework to make sure I understand the spectrum of what you can graph. I think I think to Tommy's point earlier though, like like how would you, like we're having this conversation and and we we know because we've spent a ton of time teaching visualization, right? That in general, hmm? the Power BI crowd does not spend a lot of time in the space, right? Totally true. Um, what are what are things uh, I, i'm i'm kind of thinking of tommy's comment about a wide adoption or like having having people be able to express like report authors build reports that express themselves but still will stay within standards etc and and this kind of leads me to thinking that that an implementation approach that i could use here is what are some of the key concepts that i would want my report developers to always just at least think about Right, not spend tons of time in in making sure we've honed down the specific 
right visual or, um, you know, for the use cases that we talked about, but is there a cheat sheet of, I'm not telling you what to do, but Mike, even in your position and direction conversation, yes, like getting people always to think about whether or not they're presenting that data in such an, uh, such a way that it's conveying something when it needs to, as opposed to, you know, yeah, we have to make some tables and, you know, sometimes it's just a table and a line chart and that's, that's the best you can do. Correct. But are there some of these key concepts and maybe taking some of these channels, right. And saying like, Hey, magnitude, like think about how, um, this is being presented in a page. Do you want to lead with the, the greatest problem or do you want to lead with, you know, the, the best, best version of something, right? Mm -hmm. Why would you right. want to do that one over the other or something like that? So I think there is some, um, area within here for us to take out some nuggets and do broad strokes or add into our process, right. In, in report building that we could share out with teams most definitely. Here's uh, here's the crux though, or here's where for me, the rubber meets the road a bit. And I, I, I did mention this in the beginning, but I, I really do think this is, it's really relevant for us in the power BI, uh, in the power BI industry or the power BI world, because again, that idea of, you know, the data scientists doing the exploratory and, uh, you know, the ad hoc slides, that's not really what we're doing with Power BI, right? Again, we're dealing in the context of this report does not live usually in a vacuum. You may have a few ad hoc reports, but generally speaking, we're building reports in the Power BI app shared in the Power BI service and, you know, in, in a sense, in relation to other reports in, in, a, in a tenant. So. Mm -hmm. That ability to be all expressive in one end where you have the details and you have, you know, this very color coded thing, um, this very set path that is completely out of the experience or in the sense of a style guideline that all the other reports are. I think there there is a line that we have to manage with that where we just can't say, hey, you've you're really good at exploratory data. Go at it make everything a scroll use the infographic custom visual go crazy when you story tell um i think there there's a threshold or there's at least a line that we have to manage there and i think a lot I mean, of yeah go ahead yeah. no i would say yeah i mean you can't let let people just do you know go go the wild west right because then you you lose some of that overall consistency and report theming and things that you would create templates for in general, right? Like yes, right. Work, work with inside the box, but, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of different ways you can express yourself within a specific visual or, you know, present some variation. So I guess what are some of those components then for you that would be, in a sense, you would uh, uh, lengthen the leash, so to speak, and where different areas that you would make sure that you'd be more We'll say rigid. I mean, I, I'd probably be more rigid around the the color colors and themes. You know, like I'd, mm -hmm. if if you're if you're generating certain look and feel, right? I can't have and it's all a, a certain theme, and then you drop bright red into everything or a, a vibrant lime green 
that that's going to be more disruptive than anything, right? Like the very the variations and allowing people to express themselves is within this palette of colors. What is, what is the bad? What is the good, you know, have at it, right? Like I, I don't right. care what you do within a visual or how you would represent. I mean, I care, but it, how the, the variability of like, like if you have an argument of why you want to use that particular visual and it makes the most sense to present the data in that way, if you want to, add cell highlights, you know, so it's easier for your eye to pick up the good and bad in a matrix. Mm -hmm. If you want to use spark lines, if you want to like, if there's a reason for something to be on the page and it conveys more information or like faster for the end end user to understand like how to navigate, get to the, you know, concepts that they need to faster then it makes sense. If it's just adding clutter or you think it's pretty, and, and there's no real meaning to it, or it's not really doing anything for the aesthetic to the page, then there's really no need for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, uh, so there's been a little bit of notes here in the chat window talking about just some good books to go look at. I'm just going to call out a couple of these, but I think for me, you know, how do, how do I implement what we read in this article today? It's really around. I think for me, the takeaway is I need to do more homework. I need to do more homework on, what, how to align insightful information to appropriate visuals. So um, uh, Jeff gives out a number of books here that he really likes. Um, Storytelling with Data, The Big Book of Dashboards, The Big Picture, a uh, book around just dashboards and visualizations. Um, Alberto um, Caro has a How Charts Lie book as well. So I, I think there are some pitfalls that people typically fall into. I think... Um, how Charts Lie is an amazing book. I think it was very well done. And it gives a lot of just, hey, you didn't know what you were doing. You built the visual this way. This is how this chart is lying to you. And, and so um, I've been able to avoid some things. So I think visualization is building is not only conveying information with good visuals, but also avoiding mistakes by, by not making bad visuals in, in a way as well, right. too. Um, and I kind of stand by my, my thought here around, you know, when we talk about building reports, I usually talk about Okay, we need to define the insights. And I think if you just even step back to a, a high level and say, of these visuals I'm putting on this page, or even looking at visual by visual or groups of visuals, because I would, I would technically call like a group of KPIs a single visual, even though they're multiple visuals together, it's conveying a singular idea. I think your idea here is, what action do I take after I look at this? If you just keep kind of put something down, build something, what is my action? What do I do now? And I think if you just kind of keep that, to me, if I keep that lens in my, um, my, my thoughts there, it helps to some degree pulling up, you know, what is really influencing my decision? Why, what do I do with this information when I'm done? And then even conveying that. It's like I've been doing something now, a recent technique where I'll take a visual and I'll pair it with a little bit of text. And I'm building a lot of visuals for external people that are not familiar with the data or the data model. They're literally looking at a page of information and need to know what to do with it immediately, right? So then I'm giving like helper text that more on the page, less visuals, more helper text. This visual shows this. Here's what, how I interpret it. Here's what I'm doing. And so to, again, help the user understand when I look at this, what is the action that I'm trying to, trying to get to? Yeah. I think in general, like uh, the the two key things that I take away from this this article are are, are this one. Um, I'll probably come up with some standards for provoking kind of thought 
for the from for the general group of developers right as you're going about things like mm -hmm. hey keep these things in mind yeah there are some concepts that when you're producing this visual it's always a good idea to like just run your mind through this as opposed to uh oh uh dimension measure like x y here here's where it goes all the time we only use bar charts that's the standard that's what we do yep um to, to get them to think about like, is it really the best way on a, on a day-to-day -day basis working still within that framework? But the, the more thought provoking one is from coming out of this article and its depth is for those specific use cases where we're going to be investing a lot of our time. I, th I think it's also important for us as Power BI developers to, to think outside the box, right? Yes. Don't just limit yourself to the straight up out of the box visualizations, right? Like mm -hmm. we have Deneb, we have like these custom visual libraries that we can build, but at the same time, think about um, a, a, a person who did an amazing job of coming at this from the complete opposite direction is Miguel Myers, right? Yeah. Think about the concept and the idea that you wanna convey on your report page and, and find a solution of maybe it's a combination of visuals right maybe it's transparency maybe it's like building building a visual from three or four visuals and like a lot can be done and when we go when we have these like extreme wow like oh my gosh like not only is this report page just absolutely beautiful it conveys everything i would need to know yeah right that's the type of stuff that we can do if you kind of unblock yourself from thinking I'm always in this box. I have to do this thing. You know, Power BI is a very um, broad platform that we we have a lot of capabilities of thinking through different things and uh, different ways of conveying those ideas and messages through our reporting. So like always worth just trying to think what would be the best way? Like if I didn't know I had the crappiest table in the world <laughs> to, to be to, to use, but I had to convey some raw data, like how would I do that, right? Maybe there are different options out there. So um, yeah, love love this type of conversation. Love the love diving into the the visual layers. Um, so it's been fun. I think there's a lot of things here that are that are good notes here. One of the, one of the hangups. So you know, as, as a final thoughts for me, right? Educate more, right? Focus on focus on actions and insights and conveying what what is the story in the data. And I think the visual like I get too hung up sometimes on the visualization itself is not 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 the output, right? It's it's what you do right. with the information after you look at it. What does that convoke? What does that invoke in you emotionally uh, around the reporting? I think that's another a good takeaway. The only other th thought I'm thinking here is, I don't know what I don't know, and so I I find myself continually, even myself, continually educating myself in other techniques within the Power BI ecosystem of how to build visuals. I follow a lot of YouTube channels. I follow a lot of people who build things on LinkedIn and Twitter. I follow a lot of articles and I have this growing list of backlog of articles I've read around, Hey, I built this visual and it went this way. This is how I did it. Right. There's a lot of, to me, there's a lot of need here for how to's around Here's the problem. Here's a challenge. How did I build the visual that in this certain way? Cause there's, a, there's actually a kind of a, a number of like, again, power BI has a framework. I've talked about this before. It's a framework. And if you stay within those bounds, you can, you can build a lot of good things. But to your point, Seth, like thinking of combining multiple visuals, thinking of what are the colors and how do I want those con to convey? What are the 
the UI UX part of the visuals and how they interact. That's another area that is just, I'm, there's a, the community is awash with really good ideas around how to influence that and improve that. So I think that's something else I'm, I'm going to be more in tune with is to keep learning and keep pushing myself to absorb more of these other scenarios on how to leverage Power BI to build these kind of visuals. You know, it's easy to say, oh yeah, you can make a, a, a heat map. Well, what's the best way of doing a heat map? And you could probably build a heat map three different ways. Which one's going to do what you want it to do in the report? Yeah. Do you use the neb? Do you go find a heat map off of the app source? Do you go build a, a, a heat map using a table inside Power BI with standard visuals, like with color formatting? Like, what do, what do you do? What's the information there? So anyways, I think that's a kind of an, another interesting topic you can diverge into as well. Tommy, any, any final thoughts for you? I think one thing I, I want to really bring back to my report development. And again, it's funny though, because we always talk about the time, the turnaround time to building reports, but this podcast has been great because we've talked about so much about the scoping, asking those questions. And a lot of times we may not get the right answers because people never been asked, you know, what actions do you want? And, you know, what, are you, what questions are you trying to solve from this report? Because now they just see us as, you know, <coughs> show me the data, but bringing back that exploratory side on if I am connecting to the data set that I can be in this, find the outliers, be able to find something to, uh, in a sense, um, you know, provide the expressiveness. I'm not going to be expressive for the sake of, look at me, I have an artistic viewpoint, but I think much more, you know, trying to find outliers. If, if someone's like, you know, I'm actually really looking for this, dive into the data and try to actually point that in the report. The data will change, sure, as, you know, it gets refreshed, but at least providing some narrative on what they, you know, what we think they should be looking out for. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, this is a really good topic. Really like the article. Uh, the article is linked in the description of this video YouTube link. So if you want to go check more about the article, um, I'll also try and go back and edit some more or add some more links here for all of the different uh, books that we discussed and talked about throughout the conversation here as well. I'll actually just right now see if I can throw them in the chat just in case people missed them before. See how many of these things actually make it in there. Um, but there, here's the, a list of books that we were kind of discussing and talking through um, as well through the podcast. Anyways, thank you all very much. Our only ask is if you like this podcast, if you found some value from it, please share it with somebody else. Uh, let someone else know that you found some interesting value from it. Um, you know, what, what you kind of pulled out of it. What maybe, maybe there's a nugget here that was insightful to you. Share that on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere they are available. Apple, Spotify, all of our previous podcasts are there, ready for you to listen at any time. And again, uh, we'll be going through next week. Always 6 a.m. Actually, our podcast will come out since we will be pre-recorded. Or join the conversation live. You'll still have us on chat, uh, 7.30 a.m. Central. Excellent. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you soon.